1: Welcome to Alouettes Flight Deck podcast, dedicated to Montreal Alouettes football. I am your host Tim Capper, along with my co-host Cliffy D. How are you, sir?
0: I'm doing great, Tim.
1: After all those tries at doing the intro, hey, let's just make it simple and easy.
0: <laughs> Keep it simple, stupid. That's the kiss rule. That's and sometimes right. that's the way to go.
1: Exactly.
0: Um. So, how you been doing? Good. Good. Uh, a lot of uh especially, well, you and I, going to uh, Albany and uh, Atlantic City.
1: Yeah, no kidding.
0: <laughs> Dude, I tell you, that was good times, man. That, oh, it was uh, fun.
1: It was fun. Uh, yes, and everybody's ever saying, what are you talking about? It wasn't, yeah, follow uh, Cliff's uh, Twitter and mine, and you knew it wasn't CFL related, but we tried to. We try to, to hang up with some people that we knew that from the Alouettes and played in the Arena League, etc., uh, Brian Mikowski specifically um, weren't able to, to hook up with him, but uh, um, yeah, it's uh, it, it was fun. It was a fun road trip, and um, uh, I think it just goes to show that we're okay to sleep in the same room together.
0: Yes, yes, we are. We, we <laughs> did not kill each other. That's a good sign.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um,
0: no, it was, uh, definitely a fun experience uh, being being able to cover the uh, Arena Football League. And I know you you're a big part of that. And, uh, you were able to sort of introduce me to it and, uh, you know, sort of take me behind the scenes a little bit with it. And I I really found it very fascinating. So I know this is a CFL podcast and, uh, we got to stay focused on that. But, uh, I tell you what folks, uh, Once in a while, it doesn't hurt to broaden your horizons just a little bit. Uh, Check out the Arena Football League. I I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. It's a little different, but there's a lot of CFL and a lot of NFL elements to it. And it's just entertaining football. And that's all we really want at the end of the day, right? It's just some good, entertaining football.
1: I've always said if you like the CFL, you'll like the Arena League game because they're very, very similar. Very similar in many ways, so... um, Mm -hmm. So, uh, but yes, it is a CFL, uh, CFL, uh, podcast here. Um, but, um, yeah, it's anytime, dude, you're welcome. You know that. So it's, uh, uh your writing ability. It, that's one of the main reasons why I had you come and you've, so, so far you've done a pretty, pretty kick-ass job when you, when you've been writing for the, uh, for the other site that I, that I work for. So,
0: uh, appreciate it. Yeah. Um,
1: it's been a, a, a it's a semi little while since we've talked last, but we've, yeah. uh, we have a couple of things we want to talk about this week, uh, including a very interesting interview with former Alouette and player, uh, represent player representative, um, uh, Mark Olivia, it's a great interview with MOB. You guys will hear it in a little bit. We talk about everything, everything he did. The guy, the guy doesn't hold back. And it's, uh, it's very inter- interesting to see how, how, uh, Uh, What they think about what he thinks about all all the different subjects that we brought up. But we'll play that for you in a little bit. Hmm. Um, But first of all, um, one of the main things we want to make first mention is this coming Wednesday, tomorrow, 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 Wednesday, 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 uh, the 15th of May uh, will be the opening of rookie camp for the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, and, uh, as was, I guess it, it was, it was rumored and, and, and talked about, uh, especially on social media, but it was, I was able to finally confirm that it will be held all of training camp, including rookie camp and the other, and, uh, regular camp. Uh, if, uh, it does start on time, uh, it will be held at Percival Molson this year uh Ooh. for the is this the first time since they've returned in ninety six that it has been at Percival Molson? I know they held some some scrimmages at Percival Molson back in the uh, early 2000s of of or or, was it and, tw- or the twenty ten I'm trying to remember when that was hmm. I think about and also
0: on. and also last year there was a few practices at percival Molson.
1: oh yes that yeah, that's true that's true it was the day after uh the beginning of training camp <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah, But I do believe this is the first time in a long, long time where every training camp session will be at Percival Molson Stadium. So that's that's pretty exciting stuff.
1: Oh, I agree. And for somebody like me who works at McGill University, uh, if, the, if the schedule works out right, it'll be like, that'll be a hell of a lunch. Just bring my <laughs> lunch, go to the stadium, sit in my seats. Uh, no, they're going to be opening only the south ends uh, the south. I think they said the south the south stands. Is that what they said? I'm trying to remember I what they so. said. I think it is the south side of specific section or. Um because we were sitting in the the north section was open last year, right? right I had to go back and check, but anyways, uh, it will be held there, and hey, if I can go there and have a lunch in football, why not
0: absolutely in fact, uh maybe if uh the boss isn't paying attention, you just sort of uh you know take a little, a little bit of later lunch and uh Dude, and my, lunch, so, so. my lunch
1: is late anyways <laughs> <laughs> I have a late lunch anyway, so it really won't be it really won't matter so um double checking what it says here may 15th uh section of the stands on the south side interesting okay i guess we'll be undercover
0: well you never know what Montreal the weather so Ooh, it's yeah uh,
1: i know i think we're like 11 degrees below normal for what we're supposed to be today summer uh winter sorry <laughs> uh <laughs> this season has has been total garbage spring has been crappy been crappy i just want us to warm up that's all, all i really want us to do is warm up please <laughs> um the just to let you know the rookie camp on Wednesday will start at three pm officially uh the boutique will be there uh having all their new wares if you haven't done so, check out the boutique website There's some pretty nice new stuff with their with the with the owls new logo uh and thursday and friday uh eight thirty practice three thirty practice of so double uh you know two two a days and then we'll find out hopefully within the next couple of days if we are gonna have a uh, if they are gonna start camp on time even though at the time of this taping cliff. Uh, it did look like the, the uh, CFLPA was telling all the players to um, to plan on uh, being at training camp on Sunday.
0: Hmm. That's definitely encouraging news, especially for all of the CFL fans. The People have been dying to see some CFL football. And, again, training camp is the best way to sort of get your fix until the season kicks off. And with this potential labor stoppage uh, hanging overhead – it, it's, it's definitely made it very challenging for, for fans to really get excited and get hyped up because, yeah, you want to go to the practices, you want to go to training camp and see the players, but if they're not there because of strike issues, then, uh, yeah, that, that kind of puts a damper on things. Uh, the funny thing is, too, um, uh, I believe it's uh, five of the nine CFL teams would have to report no matter what due to uh, Ontario and Alberta labor laws, but uh, Quebec and the Alouettes... Don't fall under such previews. So if a deal is not worked out in the next, I'd say, 72 hours, even uh, this could all be for naught. I mean, the rookies will still be there, I believe. And uh, there might be some tryouts. But uh, really, truly, like if you're wanting to see all the Montreal Alouettes, uh, unless something gets worked out in the next couple of days, that just might not happen. Because they don't have to report if they don't want to when it comes to when it comes to uh, taking strike action.
1: Yeah, I'm just wishing for the best. That's really all that I'm doing is I'm just wishing for the best. Uh, I don't think a I don't think a, a strike would bode well for the CFL. Uh, and I I think we, I think I said that last time too. So uh,
0: no, there, there's no advantage in doing anything long term. And I've been asked like, how long do I, if the strike happens? How long do I think it will go? And realistically, I can't see it going more than a couple of days. I I just don't see games being impacted. I don't see anything like that because again there's just far too much to lose on both sides of things it but again both sides are going to have to be realistic with their demands and with their expectations and there, there has to be middle ground there's there simply has to be a middle ground something that can make the players feel like they're appreciated and being taken care of whereas the league can also too be able to have a viable product to put on the field so there's a lot at stake for both sides and The the earlier this year uh, negotiations were being a lot of dirty laundry was being aired out in public and it turned into a real, you know, I guess staring contest would be the best and politest way to put it. So uh, who's going to blink first? I guess that was the idea. But uh, honestly, uh, both sides have to work together and they both have to come up with something that is going to make financial sense on both ends. And at the end of the day, we got to get some football played because it's been far, far too long since we've seen some good football. So I'm ready for it. I, I just want the players to get what's theirs. I want the owners to realize that the players are a big part of it, as the, as are the as are all nine teams, really. So yeah. just find a way. Just find a way.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I guess we'll find out more. Um. <laughs> um. Uh, the other thing that had happened, obviously the big thing besides the news here was the talk of, of, um, the CFL draft. Um, Oops. and, uh, you've already mentioned it a little bit in your, uh, in your Owl's alternative, uh, part one and part two, part two was released today. Um, so make sure you go and check it out. And Cliff is, uh, you know, as usual goes into a lot of depth with the, uh, uh, with, with what he thinks about the players, et cetera. And what he thinks about the, uh, the team coming up. But, uh, uh, give us a uh, give us your thoughts on on the draft itself. Um, I know we talked about it a little bit on the during our road trip. Um, what's your what, what's your thought on, on who the Allowitz were able to pick
0: up? I'm pleasantly surprised at the diversity of the positions that were filled because it's very easy to say, "Oh, I'm going all in on offensive linemen," or "I got to get a bunch of receivers," or so on and so forth, but I think the Elwets did, and I think they drafted very smartly, as far as uh, like not having a first round pick because it was essentially uh, forfeited uh, when the Elwets chose Tyler Johnstone in the uh, supplemental draft last season. Uh, again, the the way Miles Garrell, who was on our show a couple weeks ago, stated it was: "We have a first round pick. That's him. We just chose him a, a year early." And he's been able to get into the locker room and be a part of this organization and be game a lot more game ready than what any other first round draft pick is going to be in 2019. Yeah. Uh, as far as others, uh, the two receivers that were taken, uh, k Julian Grant and Chris Ose kuzi I'm going to have to probably do that a couple of times.
1: You'll know his name. Uh, by the way, I know you, Cliff. You'll know his name by, by training camp.
0: <laughs> there, there's no question. Yeah. And. I tell you folks like get the tape on these kids because they are fast. They are playmakers. And that's what this offense needs is constant playmaking. I mean, we've got some great receivers as it stands right now, but to have some young national receivers that can ball out like this, whew, I, t- I tell you what, that's uh that's some pretty exciting stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, one player I'm really looking forward to seeing though, is Michael Sinelli. Uh, he's from Concordia. I know a guy like you isn't necessarily too fa- favorable about this, but let me tell you, on the defensive line, this guy is a beast. I mean, the way he just gets after the quarterback over and over and over is very, very exciting. I think this kid's got a great motor. The ceiling on him is extremely high, and I'm really curious to see how he's going to fare lining up against essentially grown ass men on the defensive line. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to seeing what this guy can do. Of uh, a lot of the other draft picks, uh, some uh, some really interesting names out there. Uh, we drafted a running back uh, from Calgary, and uh, everything I've been told about this kid is he's a hard worker, uh, comes in with a great attitude, uh, which I always like. I don't know if I would have gone after a running back because last year we drafted Ryder Stone, and he's turned out to be extremely valuable in this uh, Montreal backfield, uh, especially when you got uh, William Stanbeck and uh, Christoph Normand, who was also signed to free agency. So it's going to get a little crowded back there, but I'm really curious to see what this kid does. Uh, his name is uh, Jeshwin Antwi, uh, the best part, though, was uh, draft night. Even though he's all the way out in Calgary, watching the uh, the draft with his uh, his teammates and all of that, right. almost immediately, as soon as he gets drafted, he throws on the Alouettes gear, which is extremely cool. It's out of date, unfortunately. Oh, but the,
1: Okay, that's the picture I saw. Okay, okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, this, this kid's got a great attitude. Uh, I, I'm really excited to see what he can bring. And even all my Calgary Stampeders friends, are telling me like they, they go watch uh the U U of calgary dinos and they tell me like this is this is the guy you got to keep your eyes on because he is a stud like i'm all for that i'm all for hard-working guys that come in and perform so i, like and, they're I, said, I I'm,
1: and they're a powerhouse out, out, in the, out in the west and for you sports
0: exactly so i mean if this kid can come in and i don't expect him to blow the doors off of everybody but if he comes in works hard carves himself a nice little spot on the roster i'm all for that yeah So overall, I would have to say the Alwitz did a very decent job of drafting. Uh, They addressed a few of their needs, uh, got some guys that may not necessarily play right away. But again, the idea of the draft is to be building towards something. And the guys that were drafted two, three years ago, now those guys are the ones that should be stepping up and making an impact. And if these guys that were drafted this year can come in and push those guys along a little bit more, I tell you what, like this is this is how you rebuild. This is how you restore the confidence in fans. Because, yes, the Alouettes haven't been all that great the past couple of years. But if they're building towards something better, if they're building towards a future like they used to have, then that, that tells me that something is th- – this is worth looking into. This is worth investing your time and energy in. And quite frankly, it all starts – tomorrow it starts on wednesday I, i'm i'm really excited to see what these young kids can do and if the veterans can show up on sunday like we all expect them to man uh, i again how, how do you not get excited for training camp that's how i how i look at it
1: exactly and i think la- probably last year probably was one of the years that i really have enjoyed i mean i enjoyed it when going out you know in years past but they were it's just such such a far location to go and being at the the, uh, the big o last year and now being at personal molson this year hey you're an Isles fan. There's no reason not to come out. There really is no reason not to come out. And that, that's just to see the new guys and see what they're, you know, see what the, you know, just seeing what they are, see them while we can. As long as they're on the roster, uh, you know, these draft picks the Owls have. And, and, you know, it's going mm-hmm. to be fun. It's going to be weird. Me being there and you not being there tomorrow, that's going to be weird.
0: Well, you've got the advantage of working at McGill, so you, like you said, it's just a hop, skip, and a jump away for you. Whereas yeah. I can't, uh, I can't exactly scoot across town all that quickly. So
1: No, yours is a hop, 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 and a skip and jump. <laughs> 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 um, what would you say for the draft itself? Um, how would you how would you rate it? Because I know it's you know we talked a couple weeks ago. Um, we were talking about the you know the first round draft picks and, and how we Dallas didn't have one and how basically we were corrected. You know we were corrected in saying it, well we did have one and we have them on the team already. But how would you how would you rate how the Alouettes did in the draft this year?
0: If I were to go give it a grade, I'd probably give it I'd give it a B plus. I think as I said, the uh, the Alouettes did a good job at addressing certain needs uh, where they got a lot of help uh, was in places where they they really have to start thinking about the future, specifically the offensive and defensive lines. Uh, Cause we've got guys like uh, Luc Bordeaux-Jourdain and John Bowman who are back this year, but next year is not guaranteed. And someone's going to have to replace those guys. And it's going to have to come down to one of these youngsters, whether they've been on the team for two, three years or they started, they're starting this year. Someone's going to have to step up and take that role. And, mm-hmm. I'm really curious to see who it's going to be because once upon a time, Bowman and LBJ—they were those young, fresh-faced kids, just looking for a chance to play, looking for a spot on the roster. Yeah, and it took time for them, and they, when they got that opportunity, they made the most of it. And look at the careers that these two men have had. And that's not—that's that, for me—that's the best example I can give to any of these rookies or draft picks that are coming in. Is like, look what these guys did when their time was when their opportunity came. And you got to seize that opportunity. And to me, this is, that's why I'm going to be looking for more than anything else is who's going to step up, who's going to take that step to the next level of Alouettes football, and who's going to become the next Lecordeur Jodin or the next John Bowman. Mm-hmm. To me, that's what's going to be key more than anything else. Uh, as far as the other positions that would go, I, I was really excited about these new receivers coming in because what's the one thing people complained about the most with the Alouettes? There's no scoring. The attack is boring uh so on so forth. so if these kids get a chance to play and again, don't forget the quarterbacks that are gonna be thrown to them are some pretty darn good quarterbacks and we'll be discussing that a little bit later on too but if these kids become the playmakers that they were in university, man I I would be very excited to see what uh, these guys can do and uh, man, I tell you what, like I said, this this draft, I'm I was pleasantly surprised at just how it all turned out, uh, from start to finish. I, I think the Alouettes just got that much better, and I, I just hope it all translate out on the, onto the practice field.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I said uh, it, it'll take me a couple of days to get used to the, to the names itself, and I said, "You're, I know you're a, a step up. You're always a step. You're always a step ahead of me on this cliff. I, you know how I feel about it." <laughs> um,
0: I think you'll get acclimated pretty quickly. Yeah. uh, Again, the the beauty of the rookie camp is you get to see these guys and they're coming ready to play. They, they want to show up, they want to show out. So I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if come Sunday, if there is actually a full on training camp, you'll probably be, just that much more advanced with me as far as, uh, as far as getting to know these youngsters, which is great.
1: Yeah. Um what what I found interesting um and what which we're going to lead into now is uh exactly how much um uh, our guest had to say on quite a few of the subjects uh not necessarily on the draft itself but on we're talking about the CBA and stuff like that and I know we'll give a I'm sure we have a little bit more to say on that but uh, we might as well go ahead and get to our 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 interview uh with Marc Olivier Bourrier it's uh a great interview. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed. I think it gave us a good twenty to twenty five minutes to think. Uh, I haven't done the editing yet, but I'm thinking that, that that's that's including getting disconnected, Cliff. Um,
0: <laughs> hey, technical uh, problems happen all the time. Exactly. So
1: let's go ahead and listen listen to the interview. And when we get back, we'll have a couple more things to talk about before we finish the show. And on the line with us now is a uh, longtime vet of the Montreal Alouettes, a recently retired player from the CFL. You sure know this gentleman, though. You can't miss it. I mean, if you know the the, the, the initials M O B, you know exactly who this is. Uh, former safety of the Montreal Alouettes, Mark Olivier Brier, and welcome, sir. Thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me, guys. It's good to be on.
1: So, want to ask you your your first question. Um, how, is a, how is it uh, after the C? How's your life after the CFL going? Since you since you decided to uh, to hang up the hang up your helmet.
2: I mean, it's been great so far. You know, I, I've kind of had uh, an idea of what life would be after football, you know, having graduated from law school and, and gone through all the different steps uh, required to be admitted to the, uh, the Quebec bar. Uh, and it was just a matter of, you know, figuring out, um, you know, what kind of practice I wanted to have, uh, what kind of firm, whether small or large, uh, I wanted to work at. And finally, I ended up going back to, to, uh, to the law firm that had recruited me out of uh, out of law school and uh, where I had been a summer student in the past as well as completed uh, my articles. So it kind of it took ten years between the time they recruited me in, uh, in 2009 during my second year of law school until I returned this past uh, February to be a part of their uh, insurance
1: litigation group. Wow, that is that is that. I mean, because of your other your playing career, is is that the norm for for those who don't know? When it comes to the process to joining a law firm, stuff like that, is it can it be normal for for, for recruits to be to wait that long in order to go back?
2: You know, it kind of depends on the relationship that that you have with uh, with the firm. You know, over when I completed my articles, um, obviously the decision. Uh, was easy for me to to want to continue playing football at that time. That was back in uh, in 2014 when I was right in the middle of uh, of my career. Um, but you know I stayed in touch with uh, with the people over there, and, and we had a, a great relationship over the years. And the timing, uh, you know, worked out well as far as me, uh, you know, deciding to retire from football and then having uh, having a need for uh, for some additional manpower.
1: Okay. Now, just out of curiosity, when you decided to go back to playing, uh, to, back to, to law full-time, did you happen to reach out to to Jacques Clamy? Because he was obviously in a very similar situation that you were. He did TSN for all those years. He was a, a Montreal Owens player. D- did you reach out to him to just get some uh, some suggestions or uh, just to talk to him about what, what is it like trying to juggle the two?
2: You know, I, I didn't get a chance to reach out to him specifically. Um, you know, I've crossed paths with, uh, with Jacques uh, over the years, with you know, because of his involvement with with TSN and his past with the Alouettes, mm-hmm. as well as you know his career as a as a lawyer in Ottawa. Um, however, you know we've never really dove into uh, in, into the specifics. But now that uh, that I'm a member of the TSN family, uh, you know I expect that that we'll get a chance to uh, to talk and share stories at, uh, at one point in the near future.
1: For sure. And you just brought up the next subject. I know, Cliff, you wanted to ask him about how he is a part of the Alouettes family once again, so to speak.
0: Uh, Mark, so as everybody now knows, you're going to be joining Rick Moffat on TSN 690 as the uh, analyst for the Montreal Alouettes this season. Uh, What led to this? You know,
2: uh, Rick reached out to me after I announced my retirement and asked me if it was something uh, that I would be interested in doing. And, you know, when the opportunity came up to go in for, for an audition, uh, you know, I didn't hesitate all over it. Um, you know, any opportunity to, to talk football or, or be around the CFL and especially the Alouette, the team that, that I hold uh, near and dear to my heart, um, you know, it, it was a no-brainer for me. And so I went in and had an audition with, uh, with Rick. And uh, you know, we both felt that that it went pretty pretty smoothly. Went pretty well. We had a we had great chemistry in the booth. And uh, apparently, the uh, the decision makers over at Bell Media felt the same way, and uh, decided to move forward and offer me uh, the opportunity to to join Rick in the booth this year.
0: All right. Uh, now, I've noticed that a lot of former players do sort of make the transition into broadcasting. Was that something that's always sort of stuck in your mind or is it just sort of an idea of, hey, let me try this out and see if it'll be fun?
2: You know, it, it wasn't specifically an idea to be involved in the media. However, I always knew that I wanted to remain connected with the game some way, somehow, uh, in some capacity. And I didn't know what that was. Uh, you know, I didn't know if it was uh, as a player agent or in some way involved with, uh, you know, with the CFLPA or, or even uh, on the management side of things. Um, but I felt like at this juncture with, you know, my, my new career in law, as well as, uh, you know, the flexibility that it affords me to, to continue working, but, but also uh, be involved with the game, uh, it was just kind of the, the perfect storm uh, at this time. And uh, we'll see where it leads to uh, from here. All right.
0: So, could we possibly see you in other ventures, like maybe actually going on to television as well, or do you think you're just going to stick with the radio? Uh,
2: you know, you never know, and it's hard to say at this point. Um, you know, if if uh, if the, the fun I had in the booth during the audition is any indication of uh, of my enjoyment of, of this endeavor, um, you know, there's 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 really no saying how far it, it may go. And uh, you know, we touched on Jock Climbing earlier, uh, who's managed to uh, balance both a, a career on TV as well as, uh, you know, a very demanding career as, uh, as a partner in a law firm in Ottawa. So, um, you know, at, at this point, who knows where it's going to lead, but if, if that is an opportunity that comes somewhere down the road, it, it'll definitely be something uh, that'll be of great interest to me.
1: Was there anything in particular when you were doing the, the going through the interview process and the testing process that when you felt that we were getting to the, to the real game scenario, anything that is kind of you're unsure about? Or what are the things that, that you noticed when it came to uh, basically being a, a voice of, of the Alouettes for, for the millions of people that would be listening to you?
2: Right. Uh, you know, as far as, as analyzing a play, uh, you know, or the different players, because, uh, you know, I'm not very far removed from the game, um, I you know I, I know everybody on every roster across the league and I have interesting you know tidbits and information about all of them. Uh, you know I think the challenge will be staying up to date with the new guys that are coming into the league, uh, finding out more about them, and being able able to provide the audience with some interesting information that you know that that they that is not necessarily readily, readily available for mm-hmm. them. Um, you know I, I look forward. to... The challenge. I look forward to to the preparation and staying in touch with the game. And I honestly think that that I can bring a, a very particular insight, uh, especially given the fact, you know, that that you know I was in the league as a player as recent as the, the 2018 season.
1: Sounds interesting. We we look forward to hearing it. We, we we've had you know so many as Cliff said so many different former Alouette players have decided to join Rick in the booth and they've done a, a very good job. So we're, uh, uh, we're, we're looking forward to hearing you. I, I'm guessing if everything goes according to plan, we'll be hearing you on the, I would imagine the second preseason game of the year. Cause I don't know if they're even going to be doing <laughs> radio for the game and, uh, for the afternoon game in Toronto that is currently scheduled.
2: Well, right now the plan is for us to, uh, to be broadcasting live from Bar City stadium for that, uh, that Wednesday morning matinee, um, and you know, I think it, it'll be a preseason for, for Rick and I as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but Rick, Rick, is such a you know such a pro at what he does that he makes it so easy. And you know, I, I don't expect us to uh, to hit any any roadblocks or major speed bumps along the way. But it'll be great to get out there and be in uh, in a live action scenario. And especially with the challenge of of the preseason, when you're dealing with, uh, you know, with, with a nearly 90-man roster on, on both sides of the of the football, uh, trying to navigate your way through all that information and be able to relay it to the audience in a in a clear, concise, and uh, comprehensible manner.
1: Yeah, I, I can understand. Now, I just made mention of it, and we were talking to you. Uh, uh, before we start the interview, and we want to have your, your thoughts on this. Uh, obviously, right now there's a obviously there's a, a, a big uh, tête-à-tête between the league and the CFLPA when it comes to trying to get the new uh, CBA hammered out and try to get make sure that all the players are excuse me all the veteran players. I'm saying that on purpose. All the veteran players are in camp when they should be. I wanted to ask you specifically because Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, the Alouettes will be starting their rookie camp. As a former player, and I'm sure you've gone through the, the whole being a player representative also and, and dealing with, uh, with the league and all the things that come across when it comes to negotiations, what's your thought on the rookie camp starting before the new CBA is actually uh, hammered out?
2: I mean, I understand the member club's position to want to get their guys out, uh, especially their, their young rookies, and begin evaluating them. Um, you know, by, by the strict letter of the law, uh, those rookies aren't yet due paying members of, uh, of our association and therefore are not governed by uh, most of the rules of the collective bargaining agreement. Now, you know, what's going to happen moving forward if, you know, if we do end up in a strike position where where vets are not reporting, uh, you know, there, there's still a lot of, of gray areas that, that need to be addressed. Um, you know, we're not in a position where we could expect uh, our rookie brethren to, you know, stand united with us and go on strike because a lot of them are not in the same position as your established veterans who have a bit more job security and, and who aren't as interchangeable as the, those young rookies. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I'm sure discussions ha- have been had amongst the member clubs to, to move forward with the, with the rookie camp. And they must have a plan in place, uh, you know, depending what happens uh, with the labor negotiations moving forward over the next couple of days.
0: At what point, Marco, do you become a dues paying member? Like when you sign a contract, like you technically are a member of the team. But at what point do you become a member of the union?
2: It would be uh, after your first game check when uh, when your union dues are, are taken out of your check.
0: Okay. Um.
1: Obviously, the, the stuff that's been happening with the, uh, with the whole negotiation stuff, um, being now that obviously you're, you're, you've been on both sides uh, of it, where you're as a player, you also a player rep. Um, when, uh, I don't know how to, how to put this. Um, you, obviously, certain information, uh, certain, uh, the PA and the league seem to be treating the news that they're putting out or the statements that they're putting out in a very calculated way. Um, is that true for the PA, or, or is it just the PA just trying to get the information out there to the masses and at least update them on what is happening rather than what the CFL may be putting out where they may hold some information back?
2: Well, I think the PA has been very honest and forthcoming with the information that, that they released. You know, obviously, in the context of uh, uh, a labor negotiation, there are certain cards that you want to keep a little closer to the vest. Um, However, I think we've been pretty clear from the start with our message uh, that we want to be partners with the league. You know, we want to grow with the league and share in the success of the league because you know, as, as much as, as the players need jobs from, uh, from, from the owners, the owners need the players to have a product to, to put on the field and, and to generate revenue. And so you, know, you can go back as far as last year and, and see that our position hasn't changed. You know, in order to reach a, a fair and equitable um, agreement, we believe that we need to approach it as a partnership and not an adversarial uh, relationship. Mm-hmm. And, and and another concern that, that's been at the forefront of, of most of the PA's messaging is, is player safety and the long-term care of, of our players. Um, you know, in, in any other profession across the country, You know, you you have local and and provincial legislation that that protects workers. However, because, you know, because of the field in which we happen to be, uh, we don't benefit from those coverages. And then now you end up in a situation uh, where you're only covered uh, for a year after, you know, after an injury or whether it be career-ending or not. And you take the example of a guy like Jonathan Hefney. Mm -hmm who went out every single day of his career and gave it everything he had and had an unfortunate accident that resulted in him never playing another down of football. And after a year, after his coverage expired, uh, you know, he was sent back home to South Carolina to have to pay out of pocket for multiple major surgeries uh, and still has more rehab and surgeries on the horizon. Um, So, you know, I I don't think that's a fair way to, to treat the players. Especially given, you know, the risk that they take on a day-in, day-out basis.
0: So essentially, Marco, uh, people think of it—it's all about money—and you're talking about player safety. Uh, would you say uh, the one major sticking? Like what would be the one thing, just based on your perspective from the players' union aspect? What's the one major point that would be the the be all end all that would say to the, the league, "Okay, we're ready to make a deal. If you give us this, we're ready to sign right now."
2: You know, it's hard to pinpoint, you know, one area. Um, like I mentioned, I really think it's just the, the idea of partnership. You know, do, do we expect the, the minimum salary to to go up by $100,000? Do we expect the, the salary cap to go up by a million dollars? No. All we expect is for the ownership and the member club to be forthcoming and honest with us as far as, you know, as as their financial position. and for us to be partners in growing this thing, we'll grow alongside them. You know if they can present to us honest financial statements uh, as far as revenues are concerned, um, so we can be in a better position to evaluate what we think is a fair partnership with them. And then we'll grow together o- over the years to come. You know Randy ambrosi has, has gone over to Europe. And he's rolled out his vision of the CFL 2.0 and, and the global reach that's possible. And we want to be a part of that. Um, but, you know, at, at this stage, we need to make sure that that moving forward, we can both contribute to that and share in the success of it. Now, is that reflected by an increase in the minimum salary or, or the salary cap or a, a change in ratio, as many people uh, reported over the past couple of weeks, things like that? You know, I, I don't know where that is. I don't know what the perfect recipe for the perfect partnership is. Um, but we do know that, you know, in order for us to be successful and, and achieve uh, a, an agreement that benefits every month, that's the approach
1: that we need to take. Do you think things change, Mark, When especially because at the beginning of the process, you had the AAF was still in existence and the, the amount of money that they were offering uh, on a three-year contract. And then all of a sudden they fall right. I think it's right as or right before you guys are about to get started. Um, do you think that changed uh, the, the either sides' uh, bargaining tactics based now knowing that uh, we won't have to deal with anything at least until we find out what the what the XFL is going to be offering in 2020? What, what do you think there was any change because Cliff and I had talked many a time uh, off air and on the show on what we felt was fair based on uh, for the for the salaries based on what you know what was currently out there you know because you know to me the 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 aaf i think was a huge issue and i think the xfl can be too if the if the rumored amounts uh that they're going to be offering are true um is do you think it with the aaf folding that it gave the league a little bit more of a, a bargaining power now knowing that um they're not around for now
2: You know, it's difficult to evaluate the impact of the AAF. Um, You know, when it was first announced, uh, it had some major players backing it, and it seemed like it had a a business model and a structure uh, that was set up for for sustainable long-term success. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, that that wasn't the case. And so now, you know, you're in a position where member clubs were, I think, fearing – you know, fearing that they'd be losing a lot of uh, of potential American talent to that league, and now you see a sudden uh, increase in, in available players. Uh, now, you know, what what kind? You know, how can the member clubs make it attractive for those guys to to come to the CFL? And then once again, that comes back to us working together and trying to to find. Uh, a solution where, where it's a financially interesting proposition to get those guys to want to come up to Canada and leave their families and, and take the hit on the exchange, uh, you know, uh, instead of waiting it out and seeing what, uh, what the XFL uh, has to offer. So, you know, it's kind of difficult to, 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 to evaluate the impact that, that, that league folding had on, 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 on the owner's position, as right. far as uh, as far as bargaining is concerned, but but at the same time, you know, we we can only care about our membership and the guys that that are currently under the CFL-PA umbrella. And you know, once once we establish that partnership, you know, we we can sit down with the league and and see how we feel about uh, about the threat of a uh, of the XFL on the horizon.
1: Were you surprised at how many players signed? You know, being that the negotiations were about to start. For free agency, were you surprised about how many players actually did sign right away and the amounts of money that went towards these players? Or do you think that this was something that was always going to happen? Because Cliff and I thought that there was going to be a lull and, and a wait before the CBA, right before the CBA was out to be started, uh, to be agreed upon. But uh, obviously we were wrong.
2: Well... You know, I I think you have to realize that, you know, whether the salary cap goes up or not, uh, you know, it wouldn't be to the point where I think it would make uh, a significant difference in the amount of money those guys were signing for. And it doesn't exclude, it doesn't either exclude the fact that, you know, once a deal is reached and we have a better understanding of of the increase in the cap and salaries. You know, there's no reason why there couldn't be provisions in the agreement that directly affect um, those contracts that were signed and and that could provide for for a bump in in the salary that was agreed upon during free agency. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it it was a tough situation with the teams withholding the bonuses and and not really knowing um, what was going on. Um, But in the end, I think everyone realized that that they had to move forward, uh, you know, a decision had to be made o- on their futures, rosters needed to, to begin taking shape. And, um, you know, that what happened during free agency is what happened and it was business as usual. And uh, and hopefully this, this agreement, uh, you know, we reach an agreement soon and guys will get paid the, those bonuses that, uh, that are due to them.
0: Okay, so let, let's cut right to the chase now. Training camp is supposed to open on Sunday with the actual players reporting alongside of the rookies. In your opinion, Marco, do you think the Alouettes will have a training camp session this Sunday? Based on everything that's been going on, I know everything's starting to ramp up now with the PA and the league meeting. Do you think, in your, in your heart of hearts, do you think we're going to have training camp open on Sunday?
2: Gosh, that's a <laughs> tough question. Um, and, and with me being an eternal optimist, um, you know, my answer would be yes. You know, I, I would hope that, that everyone sitting at that bargaining table in Toronto right now, you know, realizes what's at stake uh, and can set aside uh, any differences they have and, and work together over the coming days to to make sure that that camp goes on and it's business as usual, and that the uh, the 2019 season starts on time.
0: All right. Well, let's uh, switch gears then and let's talk about the 2019 season with the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, obviously, the Alouettes have gone through some hardship over the past couple of years, uh, but they've made some moves now. Uh, they've changed their identity. Uh, there's, there's definitely a lot of positives and negatives so far that we've seen this off offseason. Uh, just based on what you've seen so far, what do you think are some of the things that Alouettes fans should be really looking forward to in 2019?
2: You know, I honestly think they should be excited about their quarterback situation. Uh, you know, a lot of people would w- would see a red flag going into the season with, with some inexperienced quarterbacks and, and not much, you know, veteran depth. Um, but I think they've got some young guys who, who are very capable uh, of blossoming and being stars and, and just need some support around them. Uh, you know, I, I think that a- – Antonio Pipkin and, and Matt Stiltz are, are two athletic quarterbacks who can make the throws, um, who just need a support system around them, uh, you know, to, to help develop and grow. I mean, you look at the stars in, in this league, the Bo Levi Mitchell, the, the Mike Riley's, they, they came in as young guys and, and they weren't the quarterbacks they are today when, when they first entered the league. And so if you can have a bit, you know, some consistency as far as the supporting cast on offense, as well as the coaching, um, I think that, you know, towards the end of the season, you're going to see some tremendous, you're going to see these guys take some tremendous strides and, and you know, eventually develop into some solid um, starting caliber quarterback.
0: Okay. Now on the defensive side of things, and I'm asking you this strictly because you were a defensive stud for so many years, uh, what's your take on the Alouette's defensive coordinator not being in a locker room of any sort for the past six years?
2: Yeah, you know, it, it, I think it's a, it's a double-edged sword. Um, you know, you look at the CFL, and, and a lot of times what you see is is coaches and coordinators especially being recycled. And so you kind of lose that element of surprise where you have a quarter a coordinator bouncing around from team to team. And bringing his his system with him along the way, um, you know, I think it'll be an advantage for the Owls early on in the season. Um, you know, when when teams are kind of guessing, you know, what they're going to be doing on defense, and it's going to be a take it's gonna probably take a lot of time uh, and a lot of film study for for the different offensive coordinators across the league to kind of catch on to to what their their defensive identity and, and philosophy is.
0: Hmm, interesting. I never really thought of it like that. I mean, I'm, I'm concerned to be honest with you just because it's one thing to have a, to hire a coach with no CFL experience, but to have one that hasn't done any coaching whatsoever in six years is, um, how can I put this a bold adventure? Uh, I guess, well, I guess only time is going to tell whether it's going to work or not, but uh, that's kind of how I feel about it.
2: Yeah. You know what? I mean, it, it, it could be a little, Okay, but I feel like there's probably a, a big risk-reward factor here, um, you know, w- with that hire, and, and obviously o- only time will tell.
1: Now one thing I want to at least ask you before we let you go um you know being with all the, all the rumors that are going around when it comes to the to the ownership group of the Alawitz uh this off season we want to at least ask you um obviously if the Wetnall family had not come and bought the team and uh in 97 I've always had a I've always said that I don't think the Alawitz would be around today and I think Cliff agrees with me on that one um what can you say about the about the about the Wittenall family and how they have been uh, as owners as you were a player uh, as a player for them?
2: You know, I, I got an interesting story about Bob. My my first, my rookie year, I you know I I knew the name but I had no idea what he looked like. And I'm getting ready for our first home game at McGill Stadium, and and there's an old guy smoking darts in the locker room. <laughs> and so I, I tapped my buddy on the arm and I said, you know, who the F is this guy? Like somebody get this guy out of here. I'm I'm gonna go say something. And he grabbed me by by the arm and he said, Do you, do you have any idea who that is? I said, Absolutely not, but whoever he is, he shouldn't be smoking in this locker room and they said, That's the guy that signs your check. <laughs> so, <laughs> I knew right I knew right then and there that uh, that was probably somebody that that I didn't want to mess with. Um but you know, Bob was was a tremendous owner uh, and a tremendous asset to the Alouettes. You know his contributions and the Wettenhall contributions to to not only the Montreal Alouettes but but the whole city of Montreal and the province of Quebec. You know we'll never be able to to repay him for for what he did. Um, you know and, and it's unfortunate that that the club is in the position it's now. And, and that, from uh, you know, strictly a, a business point of view, uh, it's probably not a very attractive asset at this point. Um, however, you know, I, I do look forward to some new blood coming in w- with some new ideas to kind of help shape the the future of the organization and bring it back to you know to where it was when. When when they were you know in the Grey Cup on, on a yearly basis and, and the stands were full and and St Catherine Street was flooded you know when we were having uh, our Grey Cup parade.
1: Yeah, it's it's true. As I said, it's um you know I I I think I only met, met Mr Wetnall a couple of times at some of these season ticket holder events and stuff like that, and he seemed to be the nicest guy. And it, I, I agree, it's um, if and when it is announced that that there was an ownership change um, you know, an error will end, uh, you know, it's just the same thing when AC left and he retired, it would be the same thing with the wet when they, when they finally give up the, uh, the Allowitz name. So, um,
2: yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I
0: agree.
1: Cliff, you want to ask any, anything to Mark before we let him go?
0: Well, uh, I mean, you've, you've pretty well said it all, Marco. Uh, I mean, this is going to be an interesting season. That's for sure. Uh, I think it's safe to say that, uh, uh, any sort of failure will not be tolerated. And, uh, just to have you in the broadcast booth calling all the action, I definitely think is going to be a very exciting prospect for fans all over. Uh, I guess uh, as far as this goes, uh, I guess the only thing I can say is thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we definitely appreciate you having you here on the flight deck. And uh, how do people find you on social media?
2: It is mo Bruyet on all platforms. Uh, you know, and and if. If anybody if, if ever anybody wants to reach out and, and shoot me a, a DM or anything like that it'll be my pleasure to uh, to answer them and I look forward to this uh, this new upcoming venture working with Rick in the booth and uh, following the club and, and and hopefully being witness to uh, to, to a great turnaround uh,
1: despite the, de- the uh, technical difficulties cliff and i nobody's gonna know about them because I'm gonna, I'm gonna be able to edit that stuff out but I mean it's
0: well, they're going to know about it now cuz he just said it.
1: Well, I mentioned it before. <laughs> um he MLB brought up a ton of stuff and he was very open about the uh, you know whether it be a former player or not and still the uh, you know player rep for uh, first uh, for the for the riders. Um
0: That's it, a funny twist, isn't
1: it? Yeah, I know, I tell you. <laughs> um but it's still, I thought it was very uh very oh, he was very open, he was very transparent. Um he, I don't think he really didn't hold anything back so it's it, it was nice to get get his his thoughts and his point of view on on the on the topics that we brought up.
0: Yeah. Uh, one thing I well, I've always known about Marc Olivier and I've known the, I've known this kid since he was a fresh-faced rookie in 2010 and he's always been extremely articulate. He's always very thoughtful in his approach. Uh, don't forget, too, he was coached by Mark Trestman, who very cerebral as far as when it comes to how you perform on the field and also how you carry yourself off the field. So I'm not surprised that Marco's very, uh, very careful with what he says. But at the same time, like you said, doesn't hold back. He, he, he's very honest. He's very passionate. He obviously cares a great deal about this sport. And he cares very much about the players that he played with and the pe- people that he's now representing, at least until uh, a little bit later on the season when the uh, new player reps are chosen. Uh, to me, I think uh, the one thing I'm really excited about more than anything else is just how Marco is going to take this passion and how it's going to translate into the broadcast booth. Uh, I tell you what, folks, uh, I know everybody wants to watch the games on TSN, and that's great. But if you're for whatever reason you're stuck listening to it on the radio... I'm really curious to hear how Marco is going to be calling games with Rick Moffat this year. It's it's going to be very interesting, and I for one am really really looking forward to hearing Marco on TSN 690 and just hearing him just share his great football knowledge.
1: Yeah, the players usually do make a great color uh, a color person for the uh, uh, you know an analyst color analyst for for uh, the radio um, whether it be TV. I mean, look look at how well Tony Romo adapted it to the Fox broadcast booth and he's probably one of the best because he he did a lot of stuff that nobody thought he would do because he knew exactly what was being called so hopefully mm-hmm. mark will be able to bring that type of thing into the into the radio broadcast and and uh, uh bring something new bring something new to the broadcast because uh you know sometimes i wish that we had the ability you know in the u.s cliff where they had the ability of turning on the sap mode uh, for your audio and listening to the you know to the uh, Spanish broadcast, like on ESPN or during Monday Night Football or something like that,
0: mm-hmm. I,
1: I wish because because the they are a TSN entity, you know, uh, here in Montreal, the radio station that they would allow the option of ha- turning on this SAP and listening to the radio broadcast. I'd that that would be interesting.
0: That would be very cool.
1: I think that would be really cool. So hey, uh, anybody happens to be listening
0: tsn if you're paying yeah. attention that's that's not a bad idea Think about it give, give us the option
1: you know it doesn't you know we can switch in between you know chris cuthbert and and rick moffitt i mean it's why not it, it'd be something very or or and or in french too or, or on the french side of it also so i mean mm-hmm. maybe, maybe i don't know that'll be a lot harder if they're not a tsn affiliate that might not work as easy but still think about it it's a, a, a new uh a, a initiative not a new initiative but a new innovation that maybe maybe that's something that we could we could do uh at least let us hear it um the alois put out a very cool uh, video the other day uh, just a quick I think it's like two or minutes or something like that, where they talked about what's coming up for the for the team and their schedule. They're hyping up the season and, and stuff like that. You know, obviously the the fan trip that's going to be heading to Moncton. Um, one of the more interesting tidbits that they happened to release, Cliff, is they were talking and, and they let they they let it speak for itself without saying anything. But for the September twenty first game versus Winnipeg. Uh, the game starts at 4. Uh, they actually said, uh I'm paraphrasing here, uh make sure you get here early so you might so you might be had the chance to pick up a very unique collectible and cue to the picture of a bobblehead John Bowman. So, that uh, the Owls have never given away a bobblehead that I can remember. They used to set, they had an AC one which I have. They'll uh, you know, Anthony Calvillo bobblehead. But they the Owls have never given away a bobblehead.
0: No, I th- I mean, giveaways are very few and far between when it comes to the Alouettes it's, and yeah, it's true. personal it's, Molson stadium, it's
1: usually the last game of the season too. So it's, but I, I, if I can get there early enough for a bobblehead, I'll take the bobblehead.
0: Absolutely. And as far as bobbleheads go, you're not going to get much better than John Bowman. I mean, not, yeah, the, the living legend. Hello.
1: I know I, I may have to keep him in his box at night or he may try to sack me in the middle of the night.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> So the question is: Will he be dressed in his uniform? Will he will he be dressed up nice and dapper? Ooh, than, than we usually see him, you know. Will he be styling and profiling, or will he be just you know in his uh in his warrior gear?
0: Mm. See that that I, I also wonder: What if you were to do like like a football John Bowman wearing the uniform, and then like the the fashion plate wearing like one of his uh one of his uh, many 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 outfits that he wears? Mm-hmm. If you if you follow him on Instagram. Uh, I tell you, he's like a Kardashian. He's just uh, changing, <laughs> changing outfits every second, it seems like. <laughs> I and mean, the, guy, the guy's got style. I'm not hating he on him. Style. But, uh, he is style. I will. But I wonder if they, if they could do like a dual bobblehead thing where you just like, uh, which Bowman do you want? Do you want football Bowman or do you want fashion Bowman?
1: Ah, see that. You know what? The fashion Bowman can be the chase. That can be the chase variant. And they're only going to give away one for every, one for every uh, 100.
0: <laughs> I like it. Won't happen.
1: We know it's gonna be. It'll be in there in the uniforms. Um, Some interesting news came over the wire today, and I guess it's it's more or less a uh, a reason because of uh, free agency and other, you know, unfortunately, other things that did occur. But uh, what was the what were the transactions that came over the wire today, Cliff?
0: Well, the Alouettes announced that they have released both Mitchell White and Brandon Dozier, uh, both uh, defensive stars last year for the Alouettes. Mitchell White, I'm not too surprised about, mostly because, unfortunately, his season got cut short due to a neck injury. Uh, A very scary moment, uh, I'd say. It was like the third or fourth game of the season where he unfortunately collided with another player and uh, stayed on the ground for for a good long while. Uh, He has, for the most part, made a recovery, because I do remember seeing him at the jersey launch this past February. Uh, But as it stands right now, it doesn't look like his football career is going to be continuing. As a matter of fact, he's actually taken on a defensive backs coaching position with a university in the university in the United States. So um, I think this move was just more of a, uh, a formality more than anything else. Yeah. Uh, also too, like if he's, if he's that close to being paralyzed, like if it's just one of these situations where one more hit could be essentially curtains for you, then Mitchell's better off just to call it a career. He's won two great cups. I mean, he's got nothing to prove to anybody. Like he's definitely uh, one of the premier players in this league. And it's just unfortunate that like most great players, uh, sometimes your career gets cut short due to injury. It happened to Ricky Ray. It happened to Anthony Calvillo. And unfortunately it looks like it's happened to Mitchell White as well. Yeah. So it's unfortunate, but, uh, you got to take care of yourself and, uh, Certainly wish Mitchell all the best. Uh, we certainly enjoyed seeing him play for the Alouettes, and uh, hopefully he'll come back and visit as well.
1: Yeah, I remember. I remember the hit, and unfortunately, it's the same thing when you see. When, if you remember the one from Jonathan Hefney, too, it, it's something that you're unfortunately you're going to remember. But the thing is, it's it, it, you know it kind of leads to what what uh, Mob was talking about before when talking about what the players are fighting for. Um, so it's. It's a, a horrible thing to see, but the the main thing is is that he still has the ability to walk, um, and uh, you know it, it, I understand he he was just playing a game, but they were also you know they were playing a game that they love to do. So it's th- again the main thing is he was able to move on and uh, be able to get a job, uh, you know, coaching, which you know hey it's we we've seen it before. Some guy you know you start your coaching career, you move your way up, and who knows who knows so.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I am a little surprised about Dozier being cut, but also, too, I'm thinking it's more of a numbers game than anything else because now the uh, uh, the secondary is starting to look a little bit crowded because the Alouettes went and drafted some good players. They signed a couple of really powerful playmakers in free agency, so there's only so many spots to go around, and I, I think Dozier was, despite being one of the few bright spots on defense last year, uh, just I think the numbers just got... Yeah, he just got caught up in the numbers game so it's unfortunate I, I still think he's a very talented football player and I'm sure someone will find a, a spot for him soon but uh, you know it's just uh, again it's a shame he can't keep everybody but uh, well
1: we've seen crazier things look what happened in BC
0: you know with, with uh, aluminium so it's this is true I mean it is a business folks that's the one thing we've got to remember is you know you're only as good as the last game you played and even then that still sometimes isn't good enough and if a guy like uh, Solomon Aluminium can be uh cast aside for yeah. any number of reasons most likely that in his case it was a financial thing but he landed on his feet he's going to go play for the riders and uh, I have no doubt he'll still he still has plenty of gas in the tank and just like dozier I'm, I'm sure will have no trouble finding another another team to be a part of and uh again wish him all the best except for when he plays the of course but, uh, <laughs> yeah exactly uh, that's the thing with the Canadian Football League. I mean, you're here today and gone tomorrow. That's just sometimes that's the reality of of the sport.
1: I- exactly. um And it, it just seemed, it, you know, it surprised me, but didn't surprise me really. It it, it really didn't. So it's, you know, when it, that type of thing, um, when that type of thing popped up, so it's it's like, eh, okay, it, it, it's, it's a game.
0: It's a game. It's. I think it's. I think it was a shock more to people because. It does take a while I find for your casual fans to really associate with a player. Like certain players you know right away, like John Bowman, Luc Rodorigo jodin uh, uh, Tyrell Sutton when he was here. Like mm-hmm. these are guys mm-hmm. that were part of the community and became not just Alois, but they became a part of Montreal. Yeah. And once you finally start identifying with a player and then all of a sudden they get cut or traded or something that you're just it's like having the rug pulled out from underneath you. Yeah. And you just, you don't know how to react. And of course, sometimes you react, you're disappointed, you're upset. I get that. And again, it, it's never easy letting good players go. But sometimes like when you you go out and you add on certain players or you draft players that could be just as good, if not better, then you have to take that chance. And yeah, unfortunately, it does mean that some some players that you've developed a relationship with or started really following and paying attention to, yeah, they end up playing somewhere else, but Again, that is that's football, and especially in the Canadian Football League, sometimes these things just happen. And who knows what the future will hold? I mean, let's not forget Antonio Pipkin was let go during training camp last year. Yeah, came back, and now I don't see the Ottawa's letting him go for for anything. But again, that's just, that's just how football works. It's so cyclical in nature that you just never know. But when your number is called and you're expected to perform, then you go all out and. This is how you win the fans over. This is how you win your teammates over. Yeah. Just by playing your ass off once, once you get the opportunity to do it. And I know Brandon Dozier is going to do that. He's probably discouraged a little bit right now. I don't blame him. But I think he'll use this opportunity to to land somewhere else. And he'll be twice as motivated to show that, hey, the Alouettes made a huge mistake in cutting me. So, again, I wish him all the best. Uh, just not when he plays the Alouettes.
1: Yeah, Exactly. Any other news that we need to bring up before we finish up the show? I'm trying to uh, look up some things here, see if there was anything or not. But um.
0: Well, I mean, things have been pretty quiet on all the other fronts. Uh, like I said, I think now it's just it's just there's it's this holding pattern that we're kind of stuck in as far as the CBA goes. I know that the league and the players' union are in Toronto right now. They're trying to burn the midnight oil, trying to get something hammered out. Because, uh, again, I don't think either side really truly wants to go – into sunday and nobody be there
1: yeah
0: like that's just not a that's not a good scenario that's that's a recipe for disaster
1: mm-hmm.
0: and even just delaying the season by a couple of days because of this strike or losing out on training camp sessions because of this strike is just not conducive to a good overall product so i i, I think right now like they, they, they're pretty much in crunch mode they've been in crunch mode for a while but i think now it's really ramped up and they've They've got to get something ironed out. Yeah, that's so, what it
1: sounds like. It not like they're doing—they're doing not necessarily all nighters, but they're—they're they're burning the midnight oils from what from what we're seeing on on uh, on social media.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think we're past the point of playing chicken when it comes to who's going to blink first, who's going to cave. Uh, but I, I think now that I, I'm really hoping that both sides realize, and this is something that Marco talked about quite a bit, is you want to be partners, you want to work together for a greater good. And that's what this is, is the league's players want to work with the league to strengthen the product overall. Because right. at, at that point, everybody wins. Everybody's going to be able to eat it t- at this table. So l- find a way to make it work. That's that's really what it comes down to is just some both sides are going to have to give, I'd say, a fair bit. But just find some sort of amicable solution that lets these guys get back on the field, lets the fans come in, support Uh, support their team support the league in general yeah and just make this make this league stronger than ever and with all the talk of the cfl 2.0 and trying to build things globally how do you go about doing all that but then you don't take care of things at home and there's no season to be played then people in mexico and norway and finland and wherever they can if they can't watch CFL how are they going to get excited about it? So Exactly. It really behooves both the league and the players union to get something done. I mean, as I said, both sides are going to have to concede a little bit here and there, but uh, I know there's a, a good halfway point that these guys can meet at and let's just get this figured out and let's get some football going cuz that's what it matters right now. That's what we're that's what we're here for. That's why we have this podcast is we want football. So let's get this done. That's all there is to it.
1: I knew there was one thing I was, I was looking forward to and I'm checking the roster here is that with obviously if it's rookie campus starting um okay well I, uh, maybe they haven't updated the roster or something because where's our where's the guy that we quote unquote drafted from Mexico I want to see this guy punt
0: Enrique Yeni, uh is he not yeah, he's he, not on the roster well uh I, I imagine he'll, him because he,
1: obviously the only one listed here is Boris Bede
0: Hmm. So it could just be a matter of just not updating things or I don't think all the rookies are, well, I know a couple of the rookies were signed on Monday and I believe they're on the page, but, uh, not everybody, everybody is, is listed. So it could be one of those things where everybody could just arrive tomorrow. Even
1: you would think they're still that they would be on the roster.
0: You would think that, but, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that these, uh, uh, draft picks from the, uh, LFA can do, uh, we already know our uh, our European draft pick because he's already played for the University of Montreal. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's it's time to see what uh, these. The, what the beautiful thing is this rookie camp is these youngsters they're not a part of the players union yet, so they still have to come. They still have to show up, and this just gives them an opportunity to better showcase their talents. So that when the players actually do show up, they'll be right in step and they'll be ready to go. So. I uh, if folks, if you have a chance to go down to Percival Molson Stadium Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, by all means do so. Definitely take in this rookie camp. You may not know these guys from a hole in the wall, but give it time. Watch what they do. Watch how they perform. And I'd say by the uh, by the end of training camp, you'll have a much better idea and a better appreciation of what the scouting staff has to do to find the next Anthony Calvillo or Luke Jolet or next John Bowman. That's what these guys are. Th- this team that you're going to see is the future. So you may as well learn about it now, start appreciating it now, and just take it all in that's i I couldn't offer a better advice than that
1: exactly exactly uh, if anything does come across the wire anything breaking news that that we can report on, we'll make sure that we do so. Obviously, right now we are concentrating on rookie camp and hopefully getting the the regular training camp for all the vets started this Sunday, so uh stay tuned to all of our Social media outlets, um, you know, head, make sure you, you, you check uh, to Alouette's FL deck. Um, also, same thing if you wanted to listen to any of our future, our past future episodes. We're going to the future. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've already taped these shows. They're just in the can. Um, yeah. If you want to listen to any of our previous episodes, there are multiple places where you can do that. Best places over at CA, or you can do so over at uh, Google Play Music uh, Apple podcasts, uh, Spotify, uh, is that it? And, Sti- and Stitcher. Stitcher. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, stay tuned to those. And, uh, uh, if I said any news, just, uh, uh, just stay tuned and we'll make sure we get, we get it out to you as quickly
0: as possible. So,
1: so Cliff, uh, I, uh, maybe I'll see you Sunday or Monday. I
0: don't know. Well, fingers crossed. Fingers I mean, crossed. i like, like, like pretty much everybody else. Like, I, I just, I just want to see some, I just want to see some football, man. That's, mm. that's, that's it. I mean, uh, this, this past weekend, I was at a wedding in Calgary with tons of CFL fans. And the general consensus of everybody is get a deal done and let's see some football. Like these, these folks want to see their respective teams play. They want to see how everybody else is doing. It's time for football. As far as I'm concerned, it is time for for the CFL to get back at it. So, once again, I hate sounding like a broken record, but to the Players Union, to the nine teams in this league, to the Commissioner, Randy Ambrosie, to everybody that's involved in this CBA negotiation process, just find a way. Find a way to get a deal done, and don't deny us our football. Yeah. Please and thank you.
1: Okay. Perfect. So for everybody here at the it's Flight Deck, for Clifford D, I'm Tim Capper. We're on Final Approach. Tingo!